Good morning. This is the first Sunday of Advent, which means that there's four more weeks, four more Sundays before Christmas is coming up. So we're going to begin focusing on the Christmas story a little bit. And so the place that the story begins is in the New Testament and the Gospel of Matthew. And if any of you have looked at this story from time to time, the first 17 verses is what we skip over, and then we start with the birth of Jesus, right? So today, though, I'm going to look at the first 17 verses, which we always skip over. I'm not really going to look at them very closely, but... We want to, uh, actually, I'm going to skip all those names this morning. I'm going to read the passage, and uh, hopefully we can uh, pick up the names at some other point, maybe uh, this afternoon. Uh, If you want to have an afternoon nap, uh, maybe you want to start by reading these names, and that for sure might put you to sleep. I'm not sure. I also want to say that this morning, we are broadcasting live. No? Recording. Okay, we're not broadcasting live. But we are recording it so that we can put it online. Okay? So our messages are not just being recorded uh, audio, audio, but we are actually recording the live uh, program itself. And uh, we're hoping that that's going to work out. We've been working out a few of the uh, sound bugs, uh, the other kinds of things that uh, come with some of this. And we look forward to the day that we can actually, if you're sick or if you have family that can't make it, you can tell them that we have a broadcast going on uh, and that they can view it on YouTube and other places as well. So uh, that is getting uh, developed and, and being put in place. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to use a few passages in the scripture this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, you got your phones, bring them out and uh, turn to the Bible section. And uh, let's look at a few verses. I'm just going to read verse 1 and then 16 and 17. So verse 1. The record of the genealogies of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Skipping down to verse 16. We have, and Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Thus, There were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Christ. Let me begin this morning by telling you a bit of my genealogy. Um, I am blessed to have a very accurate record of my parents, 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 uh, and so on. 
Uh, it goes back to 1700 and something or other. So I have that information that I can read about and find out who I am. Now, a number of years ago, there was a real movement to find out your roots. Remember, there was a actually a slave uh, descendant who went back and did this movie called Roots. And so people are searching for their roots. They want to be grounded. They want to know who they are and their background. My grandfather was born July the 4th, 1886 at 4.30 in the morning in Rudnevida, uh, uh, Ukraine, or Malachna colony. He became a teacher, as he wasn't really a strong individual, but uh, to carry on his father's business. He married a nurse and midwife, Sarah, in August of 1912. So what else happened in 1912? That was the year that the Second World War broke out. And so he was conscripted, and because he was a conscientious objector, he was assigned to the medical corps, and he was given the job to pick up the wounded soldiers on the front line and carry them to safety. I believe it was some of those times he suffered some traumatic experiences as the Guns were firing around him as he was carrying off these uh, wounded soldiers, which later on, I think, affected, uh, showed up when he suffered a concussion. He was baptized on confession of his faith with his wife, Sarah, June the 13th, 1921, by the Mennonite Brethren Church. Perhaps... This was actually, he was a true Anabaptist. Now, Anabaptist means again baptized. Anna again baptized. So he was probably baptized a second time. The first time probably before his marriage as a young man. And uh, because most of the time uh, to be married, you had to be baptized in the uh, old churches back in Ukraine. So, soon after this baptism, however, he was relieved of his teaching responsibilities. He was a teacher at a Mennonite school, private school, and you can understand uh, that kind of context. And so uh, he was relieved of those responsibilities when he was baptized the second time. And he went, moved back to his family, and he worked in his uh, father's general store. In early 1920s, there was a huge, bad famine in Ukraine. And many, many people died of starvation And also there was an outbreak of disease, typhus, especially uh, in those days. And hearing the promise of, of land in the new country, Canada, 
he chose, made the decision to come to Canada. <coughs> My grandfather had difficulty getting a uh, emigration visa to go to Canada. But he, dis- he went in faith, knowing that if this was what God wanted him, he would be able to get that visa before he left the country. Three days later, the KGB came to his house in the Rue Nevada and were looking for him because he was a dangerous man. He was a preacher and a teacher and the communists had to get rid of those kind of people. Well, God spared him. And he arrived in Grunthal, Manitoba, October the 13th, in 1924. My mom was about eight months old at that point. And soon after, he was chosen to be an assistant to the leader of the newly formed Mennonite Brethren Congregation there. On March the 26th, 1926, so about two years later, he was able to buy a house with 80 acres. How exciting it was. Here he was. One of the dreams were coming uh, to fruition, but the joy didn't last very long. On April the 12th, A couple weeks later, his wife, who was pregnant, had an epileptic seizure and possibly a stroke and was unable to recover. The doctor thought it would be good if if, uh, they would take the baby, induce the labor, and she gave birth to a daughter. But because she was unable to care for the child, the baby died about 26 days later. And so there were challenges. She died in August 1926. And because She was not a member of the church that owned the cemetery. She couldn't be buried in that cemetery and was actually buried outside the property line of the cemetery. Again, rejection and hardship. My grandpa remarried. He remarried a widow who had come from Russia with six kids, you can imagine that, whose husband had died in Russia. Brave woman. But after four years of crop failure, he had to return the mortgage to the bank because he couldn't make the payments. 
he heard that there was work in the Niagara Peninsula, and so he moved, first of all, by himself to the Niagara Peninsula to find work. And when he found work at a farmer, uh, he, his family followed him. In the Niagara Peninsula, he was instrumental in helping to establish uh, three churches in Beamsville, Vineland, and Virgil. He was ordained to the ministry in 1936. But one day in the spring of 1937, as he was pruning trees, he fell off a ladder and received a concussion. This concussion caused his brain to malfunction, and he ended up uh, from 1937 to February the 3rd, 1949 in a mental hospital in Hamilton. Never recovered. His death was exactly the fourth anniversary of my parents' wedding. Six weeks later, I was born. So sometimes there's Sadness, and sometimes there's joy. I hope that my birth wasn't the saddest part. <laughs> so in many ways, um, I believe I'm blessed to have such a rich, godly heritage. And because of my grandfather's sacrifice, I have been able to live in this country and I've enjoyed prosperity and uh, being able to minister in various places in Canada and abroad. I'd love to spend time just listening to your stories, your heritage. And I can see some parallels between my grandfather and the story of Abraham here. My grandfather had to leave his country and go to a new land. The, he experienced a, an intimate relationship with God. They both went through drought and famine. And they both ministered to others. So Matthew begins here with these stories that automatically people would begin to imagine as they heard these names, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And they knew the stories that were in the Pentateuch, in the Old Testament, and uh, the first book of Moses there. And so they would recall these stories because Matthew was writing to Hebrew Christians. And he wanted to establish very clearly that Jesus was the promised Messiah. He was the king, the line of David that was being fulfilled here in this birth of Jesus. 
Now, how many of you remember what Matthew was before he became a disciple of Jesus? What did he do? He was a tax collector. He was good with money. He was great at math. He knew how to calculate out so that he could kind of put enough in his pocket after the taxes were collected. And so we see that this kind of permeated some of his thinking as we have uh, 14 generations, you know, from Abraham to David and 14 generations from David to the exile and then from 14 generations from the exile to Jesus. So he puts them in categories that he can kind of see and remember here. So Matthew brings out the whole idea that Jesus was a descendant of Abraham and David. Very significant. They were looking for, the Jews were looking for a Messiah, a leader that would destroy the enemy. And we can see some of these promises that God had made to them. And um, let's look at a few of these promises about a coming king. Let's look in Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. Genesis 49, verse 10. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs, and the obedience of the nations is his. So this is the beginning of the promise that there would be some ruler coming that would lead their people. Second Samuel chapter seven verse sixteen. Second Samuel chapter seven verse sixteen. There it reads Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And this is a proclamation by Nathan uh, to David. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Isaiah 11, verse 1. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. So again, the house of Jesse, 
And we know that this was David initially, but a new royal line would be also, this was said just before the exile. So this is way after the time of David. So again, a prophecy of the line of David becoming fruitful again. Moving on to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5. Jeremiah 23, verse 5. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. And one more verse that we have, prophesying this king that was coming, that the Israelites were looking forward to, is found in uh, Micah 5, verse 2. Micah's in these little books of prophecy in the end of the Old Testament. Micah 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. This is a prophetic word that Jesus was going to be coming, that there was going to be a Messiah coming, okay? And he would come from Bethlehem. If we go back, Bethlehem was the house of David. And so we see that this was the prophetic word, and all the Jews knew these prophecies, and they were anticipating this great king was going to come. And so Matthew is establishing the fact that this king had come. The ancestors of Jesus weren't all saints. We can see in this list uh, in Matthew here that there were some not-so-wonderful people in this list. If you go back to the Old Testament and look up each of these names and then read the story about each of these people, we see that there were some people that really um, kind of had a uh, kind of a checkered background. They were not really so righteous initially. And we see here that there are actually four women mentioned in this genealogy list. And that's kind of strange that they would even mention women in this list at the time. <coughs> so here we see, uh, first of all, Tamar. Who's Tamar? Well, she is a Canaanite. And the Jews weren't supposed to marry Canaanites let alone have them come into this godly line of all the people that the Savior was going to be born from. 
So Tamar was married to Judah's oldest son, Ur, but they didn't have children. Tamar schemed for a way to have children before, oh, after her husband died. And she had twins with her father-in-law, Judah. You can read that story in Genesis chapter 20, uh, 38. Then the next lady that's mentioned is Rahab. And Rahab saved spies, the two spies that were scouting out the city of Jericho. Again, she was a Canaanite that was spared that destruction of the city of Jericho. And she eventually married Obed's father. The next white lady that's mentioned here is Ruth. Again, Ruth was a Moabite. She wasn't from this Jewish line. She was from, she was an outsider. Maybe sometimes you feel like outsiders, but she was an outsider. She had married one of Abimelech's, uh, Abimelech and Naomi's sons who ended up dying as well. And then she married uh, Boaz, who was the grandfather of David. And we see the fourth person, lady, that was mentioned here. Actually, she is not even mentioned by name here. It just says she was the wife of uh, David. And uh, David had invited Bathsheba to his house when her husband was away at war. And then David ended up murdering Bathsheba's husband and taking Bathsheba as his wife. You look at these things and you say, God, what are you doing here? How can you use people like this? On the other hand, this should give us hope, great hope. Because if he can use people like this, he can use me and he can use you. It's wonderful. Some of these were very imperfect people, but they carried on the family line that ended up with Jesus, who was a sinless uh, person because he was conceived of Mary through the Holy Spirit. So what kind of heritage do you have? And what kind of legacy are you leaving? We may not be an Abraham who is called to go to a far country, but some of you have experienced that already, moving from Mexico to Canada and whatever, um, reestablishing a whole new uh, life here in Canada. But God is God. God is calling us all to create a new generation 
He called Abraham to go to a far country and to begin a new life with his family. And he declared that he would be the father of of many. And so Abraham waited for Isaac to be born. If God called you to create a nation of people, what would that look like after 4,000 years? The nation of the Bergs or the nation of the Peters or the Fairs, you know, uh, these was the nation of the Jews, but any of us could become, will become a nation, Lord willing. And our children and our children's children and so on. As long as the Lord tarries. We have no idea how long that might be. But as long as we have life and this continues on, then we will continue to be fruitful and multiply. So how can we create a legacy that will honor God? First of all, I'd like to say that your future is more important than your past. Now, some people are living and reliving the past. God doesn't want us to live in the past. We need to clear up the past, but we can't live in the past. If we're stuck in the past, we can't live For the future. Jesus came to earth to bring life. He came to bring peace and joy, not depression or addiction or abuse or anxiety. And so we need to clear up anything that's in our past and have that forgiven by God. And we work through that and then we realize that. God has a special message, a special purpose for us. And so we need to then use our experience to help other people. We need to make sure that everything from our past is resolved. Because it's going to keep us from moving forward. If there's any bitterness, any anger... We have to overcome it with forgiveness and grace. So first of all, we have to clear up the past. And then we need to pray for the present. We need to be praying and having a relationship with God to see where he directs and how he guides I know some of you might say, well, I can't leave a legacy because I'm, you know, I'm still single. But there's been many people that leave a legacy who were single. We think of Amy Carmichael or, uh, or Mother Teresa or many other people who serve the Lord in a single capacity. And they were able to leave a legacy of individuals who continue to carry on the kingdom of God. Now, we think of, when we think of this heritage, we think of family, 
physical family, but God wants us to think beyond that. Jesus didn't come to rule over Jerusalem as a political entity, as a, as a person here on this earth. And so we need to think ourselves that we can live and create a legacy, a heritage, ancestry, in a way that uses a spiritual dimension. So it's not just our own physical children that we are uh, equipping, that we are encouraging or helping, but we can help others to grow spiritually and equip them and uh, help them to become successful in their spiritual walk and life. And that takes prayer. That takes time. That takes time with God. God, how do you want me to serve my family? How do you want me to build in the life of other individuals? And can you bring people into my life that I can influence and and enjoy relationship with and make an impact. Jesus came not to create a spiritual, uh, not to create a physical kingdom here on earth, but he came to build a spiritual kingdom that would uh, destroy, defeat the enemy of God, Satan. And third, I'd like to say, use what God's given to you. Use your gifts. Use your time with him. And don't live or focus on yourself. The quickest way to destroy your family, destroy your heritage, is to demand attention to yourself and make sure that everybody serves you. Or you can do it by being an ogre, by being negative, by putting other people down, and that you know they have to then obey you if you use enough punishment. But that's not the way God works. He wants us to be servant leaders. He doesn't want us to be. Lead. He wants us to lead, not drive our family. And to lead, we have to be examples. We have to be models. What kind of a model are you? Would you be proud if your children were following in your footsteps in doing the things that they are doing? That's doing the things that you are doing. I'll put it that way. So we need to make sure that our heritage becomes strong if we want it to last. And to be able to have a strong heritage, we need to lead, not drive others. So what will your legacy be? As a spectator from heaven, as I pass on, I would love to see what happens to those that I've left behind. 
Hebrews chapter 11, or 12, sorry. I want to read a couple of verses from there. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will grow, not grow weary and lose heart. So I carry on until the Lord takes me. We all do that. But we become a part of the spectators later on. And we look back and say, okay, what about my family? What about my friends? What about those that I've had a chance to influence in, in the word of God and their life? What do you think that's going to look like? I hope we can do that as spectators in the future and say, yeah, way to go, guy. Way to go, girl. That's great what you're doing. I'm, I'm really excited about everything that's happening in your life as we look back, as we look down on those who are left behind. And we can be proud of those that we've had a chance to influence here while we were on earth. And we can say, yes, that's great. Keep it up. And be thrilled with what God is doing in their lives. But part of our responsibility now is to build that foundation in the lives of others. The cradle of Christ led to the cross. And salvation for me and for everyone who will embrace the gift which Jesus extended to us, that gift of salvation. Yes, Christ came as a descendant of the king and became the Messiah, the anointed one who was the king. Is he the king? of your life? Does he rule in your heart? He can only do that if you let him. Let's let him. Our life will be full and rich and we can leave a legacy behind. Let's pray. Lord, we want to leave a legacy. Just as we saw the generations from Abraham to Jesus. And we know there were many stumbles along the way, and sometimes we stumble. But you extend grace and love and show that you care for us. 
even when we stumble. Help us to realize that you used imperfect people to build a kingdom that your sinless son came from. And he brought us an opportunity to be free from the past. Free from our sin. Free from our wickedness, our wrong thoughts, our wrong desires. And Lord, just give us eyes to see what you see. And give us vision to see the kind of legacy that we can create. And may your presence be with us. May your spirit fill us with power to do what honors you and glorifies you. Amen.